0: Alhamdulillah, لله وكفى، not say that. الذين sure if you're not 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 sure if you're أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم، if you are not sure 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 if you سيدنا محمد sure if you are not sure if you are not sure if Allahumma salli ala Muhammad ala, ala Muhammad wa barik wa So just to recap yesterday what we covered we talked about uh, what the goal of Suduq was about what it means or what the intention is behind progressing toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and taking the journey toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, we mentioned the ultimate goal is to earn Allah ta'ala's pleasure and we mentioned that there were a few sub-goals the first was that a person Um, is required to purify their heart before it's presented on the Day of Judgment and uh, suluk allows a person or encourages a person to progress toward a purified heart and this um, this involves rectifying the heart such that it's removed of its ills and diseases and we emphasize the importance of working with someone in order to purify the heart because it's it could be very challenging. There's certain diseases that are more obvious and more apparent, easily um, identified within ourselves. Um, but some that are more difficult, and there are some that are perhaps easier to treat. There are some that require um, more expert observation, if you will. Um, and the second sub goal was the 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 second sub goal of of the soluf is to create a desire within our hearts to perform deeds so that the deen for us is a pleasure it's uh, not a burden or a responsibility it's a pleasure um, the third is to create a love for allah ta'ala in our hearts um, as allah ta'ala says in the quran wa uh, that while we've heard about and we've learned the importance of fearing Allah ta'ala, there's also a component of our relationship with Allah Ta'ala That involves our love for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, And this path helps a person develop the love for Allah Ta'ala in their hearts um, And then we um, concluded by discussing well, What it means to make progress in deen How does a person know that they're making progress When they're traversing the path to Allah Ta'ala And we emphasize that there isn't um, any the, the 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 most compelling indication is that a person uh, in a person's life a person begins to see the Quran and Sunnah enter into it uh, and when a person begins to see these things enter into their life and add in and add into their life then it's a sign that they're making progress toward Allah so that was what we talked about yesterday briefly today i wanted to cover how Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala created us and what and and why it is that righteous acts righteous deeds etc allow a person to make progress and to understand this a person needs to understand that uh, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala created the human being uniquely compared to other types of creation the human being is a unique type of creation in fact this you could say universe was created As a sign and a test for the human being in particular it's Not a sign or a test for the mountains Or for the skies or for the animals It's been created for the purpose of testing human beings And so the human being <clears throat> Out of other types of creation It's very unique in the way Allah Ta'ala created it Because Allah Ta'ala created it of two parts And they create, He created it of a physical body Or a body He created the human being uh, out of a soul. Or he sorry, he created the human being in two parts. One part is the body, the other part is the soul. And it's important to understand this because if we can understand this concept and this principle, then we'll understand how to navigate our life. So the human body, the physical body that Allah ta'ala created us with, it's created over several days and Allah Ta'ala references this in the Quran Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala refers to his creation which is the created world which is the physical world it was created في uh, over six days and the human body is from the created world um, and then there's the soul the soul is not from the created world it's from the world that's above the arsh of Allah you could say as if that's sort of the delineation and um, and that's where the soul arises from. Yes, is from the commanded world. From the commanded world. So the physical body is matured by our parents. So when a child is first born, they uh, require assistance with every single thing. Whether it be feeding, whether it be getting their clothes changed, whether it be cleaning themselves, you know, diapers, etc. That's the physical body, and the physical body. Uh, is the responsibility of the parents or whomever provides care for a child maybe a guardian maybe a a nanny Um, and so that's a responsibility uh, that an adult uh, raises the child's physical body so that they reach a point of maturation Um, the responsibility of the soul is from the prophets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent prophet after prophet after prophet in order for the soul to be matured physical body is matured through other people who nourish us, feed us, clothe us, the spiritual body doesn't, is not nourished in this way. It's nourished by the prophets who brought a message that is from above the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you understand this concept, the next thing to understand is that the physical body is fed by uh, things of uh, this world anything that comes from the ground. The physical body is fed by food, plants, vegetables. It is sheltered by clothing. Clothing comes from this earth, um, whether it be trees, whether it be cotton, whatever it might be. Um, And uh, this is what sustains the physical body. The soul is not matured through things that sustain the physical body, and that's one of our misconceptions which means that the soul requires nourishing from the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, coming to the masjid, good company, prayer, recitation of the Qur'an, etc. These things feed the soul. What feeds the body doesn't feed the soul. And what feeds the soul won't feed the body. So a person can decide that they're going to recite Qur'an abundantly for the next five years, and they're not going to... You know, eat uh, eat anything at all. The body will wither away and it'll die. The soul may be elevated uh, for a period of time, um, but that won't nourish the body. Similarly, a person can decide that they want to become close to Allah and they want to nourish the soul. So they're going to eat ice cream regularly every single hour for the next, or you can for the, for the next two or three years. The soul isn't going to be nourished by this. The soul will not be nourished by any of this The soul is nourished by those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That brings a person That comes from above the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And So when a person Okay so now that we've understood that concept The next concept to understand Is that At the core of the human body is the nafs At the core of the human body is the nafs Uh, And at the core of the soul is the heart Meaning That the nafs, which is a person's animalistic desires, bodily desires It desires to do everything uncontrollably It desires to feed the body uncontrollably So the nafs always desires to look at things that maybe you shouldn't look at, right? This is part of the nafs The nafs loves to eat and overeat and eat and eat and eat the nafs loves to sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep Because these are the things that feed the body And the nafs loves the body be overfed It's at the core of the body The soul At the core of the soul is the heart At the core of the soul is the heart And the heart requires nourishment from those things that come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So what happens is when a person To some degree suppresses their nafs and elevates their soul Then that person becomes very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on the other hand If a person suppresses their soul By neglecting the Qur'an By neglecting good company By re- neglecting the masjid By neglecting the dhikr of Allah And rather they make their focus in life Emphasizing their body Through overeating Through overindulging Through spending time in, uh, in places that would feed, you know, that, that would otherwise, you know, f- feed the nafs in a haram way. Um, then a person overemphasizes the body, the soul becomes crushed, and over time, the soul can completely wither away and die. And what happens at that point is a person's lost their iman. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the month of Ramadan, and Ramadan is for us. Especially people who are seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala A great example of this whole system Look what happens during the month of Ramadan For 30 days Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created a system That he's made so that number one The nafs has to be crushed So even things that were otherwise permissible Outside the month of Ramadan For instance eating and drinking during the day There is nothing impermissible about that It's totally acceptable Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, cuts off uh, even the permissible So now the nafs is suppressed The body is suppressed because a person cannot eat or drink Although they do want to eat and drink Four or five o'clock the, the, you know, the, the, Especially in early Ramadan The nafs is, is just waiting, waiting, waiting When can I eat? When can I eat? When can I eat? I can't wait for, for food to come It's already four o'clock, it's already five o'clock The nafs is just, is just waiting for, for, for it to be fed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says no, suppress the nafs During the daytime hours, which is now 15, 16 hours, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cuts off the desire from our body of lust as well. So even in the permissible setting of interacting with the person's spouse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you can't even do that anymore. What's happening? A person's suppressing their nafs. Suppressing their nafs. And then what's happening? Uh, Allah subhanahu wa uh, ta'ala created a system so that we have to pray during the nighttime in Ramadan. What happens when a person prays during the night time in Ramadan They pray for longer periods of time than they normally would And when they're praying They are unable to do what their body would want them to do So when a person engages in prayer Now eating is, is not permissible for them They cannot eat when they're in the middle of prayer They cannot speak when they're in the middle of prayer And the nafs loves to talk The nafs loves to talk It enjoys speaking Especially, especially about other people Especially about the dunya uh, In general you, you give the opportunity for the nafs to take over the tongue And it, it will talk and talk and talk So during prayer a person's nafs is crushed Because they cannot eat, they cannot <coughs> drink They cannot speak to anyone um, They cannot fulfill any of their bodily desires for that matter Rather they're told that you have to stay in this position For some period of time It could be five minutes for some people It could be an hour for some people It could be three or four hours But during that time the nafs is being crushed So Allah Ta'ala designed in the system in Ramadan That the nafs has to be crushed or the nafs is to be crushed simply by design of the month. Okay, and then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala designed the month of Ramadan and He increased the reward of any deed that a person performs during the month of Ramadan. Meaning that a person can perform a deed during the month of Ramadan and earn 70 times more reward than they do any other time. We know from hadith that a person who performs, the, the, for instance, the nafil prayer gets the reward of a, a sunnah prayer. The sunnah prayer will get the reward of a fard prayer during the month of Ramadan. These are all Allah Ta'ala's ways of encouraging the believer to strive in performing deeds. Why? Because deeds are what cause the soul to become elevated. That's what feeds the soul. And so as a result, we know that recitation of the Qur'an is highly encouraged during the month of Ramadan. We know that coming to the masjid is highly encouraged during the month of Ramadan. Coming to the masjid is not you suppressing your nafs. It's you feeding your soul recitation of the Quran is not necessarily you suppressing your nafs, when you're reading Quran you can, unlike prayer you can eat, you know, you can take a break and eat every few seconds if you want to, you know you can drink what you'd like you can you can just put the Quran to the side quickly and talk to someone, so you're not suppressing the nafs per se, but you're most certainly feeding the soul so Allah Ta'ala through encouraging the believer to come to the masjid to recite the Quran, to pray excessively, uh, all of these things are what feed the soul and Allah Ta'ala has created this This unique system Of elevating the soul during the month of Ramadan And crushing the nafs And it's a sign for those of us that are seeking Allah Ta'ala's pleasure How it's a sign for us uh, It's a sign for us to see How our progression occurs This is how spiritual progression occurs So look what happens We're now 29 twenty-eight, twenty-nine days of Ramadan in and now for us, the fasting isn't nearly as difficult as it was on day one or day two. In fact, you know, there are days when we're sitting in the masjid and we're feeding our soul, crushing our nafs, etc., eight o'clock, nine o'clock, we're not even feeling hungry. In fact, you know, no one's rushing to iftar as far as we can see and uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's not our goal anymore. You know, feeding the body through eating and eating and eating—it's no longer a concern for us. You know, to be honest, most of us, if we wanted to, and if the thought of time was at eleven o'clock, or somebody said that we can't have thought until eleven o'clock, most of us would say, "No big deal." You know, I, I can have a sip of water, but I'd be able to survive for another couple of hours because we've we've crushed that that bodily desire. Um, for many of us, um, you know, that are uh, uh, that are uh, that have been experiencing Ramadan for now 29, 30 days. The desire to look at or interact with the opposite gender unlawfully, it's, it's, uh, it's been suppressed It's certainly not as powerful as it was on day one or day two Even for people that are married, you know this is, Even that desire, although it's completely permissible with your spouse The desire is, is certainly not as high as it perhaps was on day one of, of Ramadan So there's that aspect, the nafs has been crushed And for many of us, the amount of Qur'an that we're reciting today, that we recited yesterday or the day before, if I was to ask you to do that any other time of the year, you would say that it was impossible. Impossible. The amount of salah that many of us have performed, uh, especially in these last seven, eight days of Ramadan, we would never be able to perform that, that amount of salah outside of Ramadan. So it would be impossible. But this is what the Sahaba did. They were engaged in the remembrance of Allah. They were engaged in the recitation of the Qur'an coming to the masjid it's just natural for us now you know and it's it's almost as if if we leave the masjid and we know that oh it's maghrib time in an hour we're all going to come back or isha time in it because we because this is now uh, the system that Allah Ta'ala used to to bring us closer to him so ramadan is this unique system where Allah Ta'ala has structured it so that the nafs has to be crushed the body has to be elevated and if a person does this for some period of time they will become very close to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much so that reciting the quran becomes easy performing the five daily prayers becomes easy doing dhikr for a few minutes becomes easy if i were to ask you today in your relationship with allah do you how do you feel the vast majority of what you would say that i feel closer to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than i've done than i felt in a year today at this very moment or you know the last couple of days I clearly have felt closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than I felt in the last year for some people you could say that it's the closest I felt to Allah ta'ala ever why because we've implemented this system for the last 30 days we've elevated our souls, we've suppressed our nafs and this is the way by which a person makes progress toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that means for us that when we leave the month of Ramadan that we keep this principle in mind that if we want if we want to continue this path toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then there has to be some suppression of the nafs meaning we can't give in to every single desire because the more you give in to desires the more your nafs will grow the body will overtake the soul and as a result a person will distance themselves from Allah and if we leave the month of Ramadan and recognize that the soul is what needs to be fed and the body is what needs to be suppressed, at least to some degree, then we'll continue to make progress toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So just a couple of points to remember about the nafs and the soul and then I'm going to end it Inshallah. The first thing to remember about the nafs, especially when we leave uh, this, the environment of the masjid in which the nafs is, has nothing to do here besides talk. You can't engage in the vast majority of things uh, in the masjid that take off that you could do outside the home. So the nafs for the most part has been suppressed. When we leave, the first, a couple of things to remember about the nafs. The first thing is that we can never trust our nafs. You can never trust your nafs. When you think you have a good grasp of your desires, good grasp of um, uh, of your uh, of your bodily desires, then it just it, it bites right in the back. So never trust your nafs. Which means don't ever put yourself in environments or situations where your nafs will lash back out at you So it's very important never to trust your nafs It doesn't matter how much spiritual progress you've made The possibility of sin is always there The potential for sin always exists So never trust your nafs <clears> The <throat> second thing is that, the, that our success with regards to our nafs lies in prevention lies in prevention. So the more we avoid the environments in which our nafs can be fed, the more likely it is that we'll be able to suppress our nafs. If we think that we can engage in the environments of sin, in environments where Allah Ta'ala is not remembered in environments in which um, people are, are uh, overly indulging in this dunya <clears throat> then uh, the nafs will give in you will give in and then you'll just regret it later so the name of the game is prevention. Try to avoid the environments that will take you away from Allah Ta'ala and that will feed your nafs. And I'm going to emphasize this point in a, in a, in a minute again. That's a couple of things to remember about the nafs. The second thing, the, thing about, the things to remember about the soul. <coughs> the more we feed our soul... Through things that are from above the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The stronger our iman will become In this day and age uh, People are losing iman left and right Left and right people are losing iman And it's not It's not um, Let's say it's not uncommon It's not uncommon for people that we know That we've known for an extended period of time Who now begin to have doubts And skepticism about the deen And then they've left it all together It's not, it's commonplace it's, it's commonplace We know this We know many people that, have, that are going through this The more we feed our soul the more, we f- the more our iman will stay firm The less we feed our soul The soul will wither away, die And it will lose its iman altogether What does that mean? That means that look, you can take the chance Of, uh, of ignoring the soul neglecting the soul But what you're doing is you're putting your iman at risk you're putting your iman at risk. On the other hand, if you realize that the most important thing that you have in this world, more than your job, more than your school, more than anything, is your iman and your faith in Allah. If you realize that that's the most important thing and you have to do whatever you can to preserve your iman, then you're going to recognize that I need to feed my soul at some consistent interval. I wouldn't neglect my body. When I, outside of the month of Ramadan, you would make sure that you'd have two or three meals every day to remain healthy. You know, at at least one healthy meal every single day. Because you know that if I neglect my body, over the course of time, my body will become weak and frail uh, and malnourished. And then it will wither away. I'll end up in a hospital and then I'll pass away. Uh, The same applies for the soul. If we neglect the soul, then expect that over the course of time, the soul will become weaker and weaker, malnourished. Uh, it'll end up in an ICU, and then it'll also die. So, by feeding the soul, we are in doing this at a consistent inter at, at some consistent regular basis, meaning every single day a person. And we talked about this the first day, the importance of the routine. The reason the routine is so important isn't because. You know, on the day of judgment, Allah Taala is going to have a checklist and say, "How much Munakaba did you do? How much Quran did you?" I mean, that, that's not that's not the purpose of the routine. The purpose of the routine is so that a person every single day makes sure that they're feeding their soul. If you miss one day of feeding your soul, then you'll miss your second day. You miss the third day, fourth or fifth day, then your soul's going to wither wither away, and it's going to require resuscitation, resuscitation, like going to Umrah or going to Hajj or in, you know coming in i'tikaf again next year. In order for the soul to be resuscitated, and who knows if we'll have that opportunity? So the reason for the routine that we've, you know, mentioned the last uh, two days ago, and we've been emphasizing over the course of the weekend, is because we have to maintain our soul. We have to maintain our soul. So the soul every single day should get a portion of Quran recited. Every single day we should have a portion of Quran that we recite. Every day the soul requires some istighfar. Every single day, the soul requires some salawat upon the Prophet ﷺ. Every single day, the soul requires some muraqabah. Every single day, the soul requires that it that it come into the masjid at least once once every single day. The soul requires um, these uh, the company of righteous people at some interval, preferably at least weekly. By feeding the soul, the chances of us preserving our iman are increased. And again, ultimately, that that is our goal in life. So, don't take a chance. Don't take any chances. Although we've been consistent with feeding our soul during the month of Ramadan, if we lose that consistency, if we lack that consistency due to whatever reason, it could be distraction from anything, from the news, distraction from uh, you know something something else. Everyone has their own distractions: the internet, cell phones. If you make that your, if you if you begin to focus on those things and you neglect the routine that you have to do every single day, then over time the soul will wither away, and it'll become weak and feeble, and it'll require, you know, uh, it'll require a nice jolt or a shock in order to resuscitate it, and there's no guarantee that that resuscitation will occur. So, uh, we've learned this through the month of Ramadan that the soul has to be fed, uh, and I strongly urge everyone. To establish a routine in their life Of dhikr, Qur'an uh, Coming to the masjid um, uh, Coming in the company of righteous people, etc In order to sustain your soul The second point to remember about the soul And this is our final point Is Of the things that are The most important So there's many things that feed the soul But Of those things that feed the soul Perhaps the most important, especially in today's day and age, is um, is good company. Is good company. The reason is that if you spend time in good company at some regular interval, whether it be your circle of friends, whether it be in the company, in, or more, more specifically, if you spend time in the company of righteous people, people of piety, people of taqwa, and you come in their company at some regular interval, so maybe you know once a week or once every few days or 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 at least if not their physical company then at least <coughs> company through regular interaction with them over the phone over email etc then um although the company in person is far more important than anything else then that will be what preserves your iman perhaps better than anything else there's going to be days where you feel um, you know you want to feed your soul, but you feel weak and you, or you feel you lack the desire to want to recite the Quran. So then, what you have to do is you have to come in the company of people that enjoy reciting the Quran, and there, uh, that'll recharge you and it'll increase your desire to recite the Quran. There'll be days in your life where you feel lazy and don't want to come to the masjid. So then, come into the company of righteous people who are regularly reminding you of coming to the masjid, and who they themselves are going to the masjid regularly. And that will recharge you And encourage you to come to the masjid So by coming in the company of people of righteousness and piety uh, What you're doing is You are reminding yourself You're reminding your heart And you're recharging your soul So that you can continue to perform deeds on your own That will elevate your soul So don't take The company of righteous people lightly Um, The Prophet Was here For us 1400 years ago And the people that continue his tradition are the people whose company we should seek and that includes the company of the ulama wa ratatul anbiya, they are the inheritors of the prophets that includes the company of the mashaykh that includes the company of just righteous people so if you ever feel a void in your life if you feel like your soul is dying if you feel like you've, uh, that you've neglected your heart you've neglected your soul then remember that you always have that chance You always can come back into the company of righteous people Remember that Remember that if you ever feel uh, A void in your heart Or a lack of desire to please Allah Rather than ruminating over this And becoming depressed over it Recognize that The avenue for you to recover from this Is by coming in the company of righteous people and Coming in the company of righteous gatherings This is essential for the soul you're all dependent on it I'm dependent on it and this is the reason why we make it a point we're trying to make it a point every year to do irtikaf because when you're in ertikaf, you know you spend 11 months destroying your soul neglecting it it's withering away dying it's barely on life support you come into irtikaf and you spend time a few days in the company of righteous people and then suddenly you have resuscitated yourself and now are motivated once again to please Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and feed your soul on your own I'm dependent on it. You're all dependent on it. All of us are dependent on righteous company. So make it a point to seek righteous company. Spend time in righteous company. It'll be what preserves your iman in this day and age. And that's the most important thing that we have. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant all of us the tawfiq to suppress our body and elevate our soul. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow uh, us to feed our souls such that we become closer to him, we draw nearer to him, and that it becomes a means for us to preserve our iman. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, allow us all to regularly find and regularly spend time in the company of righteous individuals.